Welcome. You're listening to The Place of Sound on CKCU 93.1 FM. I'm Helena Krobath. Normally, you'd be hearing the voice of Vincent Andrasani, who has engaged his students and colleagues in sound to put this beautiful show together. Today, I've been invited to do a takeover and share a piece of my own work, and I'm so happy to be here. I'm being hosted for episode 23 by the Urban Imaginaries Project at Carleton University in the Schools of Communications and Industrial Design. So I hope you enjoyed the episode and all this various material that I'm going to share, and thank you for tuning in. I am coming to you from Vancouver, British Columbia. The piece I'm going to share today is a sonic meditation on place and our adaptation to climate. I was invited last summer to be part of an outdoor listening event at Haddon Park, which is a beachside park in Kitsilano in Vancouver. And the field house there has been, for many years, a residency site for a local arts group called Public Secrets. That is run by George Rahi and Robin Jacob. They created this event in the summer together at a distance, and it just invited people to come and enjoy some ambient performances and broadcasts. And they also invited us to work with their own field recording collection, which I will start weaving into the background of this introduction. So the ambient field recordings also formed a large part of my own composition process with some of my own recordings and of course my favorite digital effects compositional practices. And that's what I'm going to play today, but I'll spend a few minutes setting it up first and we'll sample a couple other things too. So my sonic associations to Kids Beach are very many. For one thing, it is the location and the subject of the first soundscape composition I ever encountered, which I actually encountered in Vincent's class. It was Hildegard Westerkamp's Kids Beach Sound Walk. In another dream, when I entered a stone cottage, I entered a soundscape made by four generations of a peasant family sitting around a large wooden table eating and talking. Smacking and clicking and sucking and spitting and telling and biting and singing and laughing and weeping and kissing. And I was so blown away by the transformations I was hearing and the way that the piece had the power to put me in a space in my mind that was so evocative and moving. I remember going to speak to Vincent after to ask for more. He had the whole album that it came from. So I went home and I turned off the lights and I lay down. I was just transported by power of sound, especially with a composer like Hildegard Westerkamp, where it is inviting you to bring that experience back into your own world of listening. And it really did do that for me. Tinkling all over the Brussels pavilion, like needles darting from everywhere, as Sinakis says. You can hear excerpts of that piece right now.
In another dream, sitting in the car with a woman friend, I heard sounds of glass blinking and tinkling, sparkling. On the car radio, they announced... So to compose a piece taking place at Kitts Beach was exciting. I can hear the spaciousness of the night there when you're sitting by the water and there's a quiet. It was quite beautiful. Um, it's a really well-developed, interfaced seawall area. But at the same time, this incredible interface with the water of the Georgia Strait is also problematic. It is located in an infamously anti-density and unaffordable neighborhood. It also happens to house some of the fanciest mansions in town. And the whole seawall itself is built over local indigenous middens. And from a climate perspective, this type of infrastructure is considered like a hard shell or concrete infrastructure, which means that it will get battered by sea level rise rather than absorbing it like a sponge, the way that swamps and groves would do. And it raises a bunch of questions like why such risky recreational architecture exists and um, how as a society we take responsibility for a type of luxury to live this close to the shore during times of sea level rise and extreme weather. For an episode of Soundscape Radio, I also thought about this space. I was co-hosting with Brady Marks and we were airing an episode about sound maps. One of the sound maps we included was an amazing hydrophone array that is placed in the Georgia Strait and run by the Ocean Networks Canada, which is a project based at University of Victoria. And their hydrophone recordings are incredible. They capture all kinds of things happening below the water, animals and traffic and so on. the sound of the resonant killer whale pod passing through the Georgia Strait. In contrast, the sound of a ship passing through the Georgia Strait. And 
Again, I've also considered this place sonically through the perspective of the Fieldhouse Project, Public Secrets, because they've brought all kinds of performances and installations into the park that really joyfully bring sound to the outdoor audience and the sound enthusiasts who have come specifically for that and the people hanging out in the park or walking along the seawall. Which is why I also felt just a little bad to bring a doom piece to the event as my contribution. But I felt I had to. I was here at the waterfront at this really luxurious park that exists in one of the most luxurious neighborhoods. But I had just read the IPCC report, which was an international report on global climate change. And I had especially read the parts about the ocean systems. And at the same time, I learned that the report had not made much of a splash in Canada. Despite being incredibly important and even potentially inspiring, it just wasn't being covered, and it pertains directly to this area. And I created a soundscape using sounds from the Haddon Park Fieldhouse Residency recordings and some of my own recordings and then the processes involved in creating the piece digitally. The piece I composed is called Sea Readings or a Watery Grave, and it's a speculative soundscape. So using these field recordings from now and from the past, um, imagining into the future where a person in the distant, but maybe not too distant future is at sea, perhaps adrift on a lifeboat or a barn door. And... I really wanted to center this piece around this report that I had read, uh, the IPCC report on global climate change, um, which covered what's happening to the oceans now and what could happen under various scenarios. And this document is incredibly important. It's a little bit scary, but it's also potentially inspiring. And it didn't make much of a splash in Canada. Thinking through how such an important, informative document had sort of snuck by us all, I thought, you know, let's meditate on it a little bit while we're here in this place that will be affected by sea level rise and this beautiful place that we appreciate but maybe can't hold on to. So the character in the composition drifting on this bit of flotsam is encountering this strange transmission that's drifting in and out like a radio signal from the past, and carrying these words. And like now, the words are sort of floating by, disconnected. But looking back is quite different from looking forward. Effective governance is a key enabler for reducing disaster risk.
The fundamental roles of the ocean and cryosphere in the Earth system include the uptake and redistribution of anthropogenic carbon dioxide and heat by the ocean, as well as their crucial involvement in the hydrological cycle. Ocean is warming to adaptation zero to 700 meters, virtually certain. 700 to 2,000 meters, likely. Sea level is rising. High confidence. And ocean acidity is increasing. High confidence. Most glaciers are shrinking. High confidence. The Greenland and Antarctic ice sheets are losing mass. High confidence. Sea ice extent in the Arctic is decreasing. Very high confidence. Northern hemisphere snow cover is decreasing. Very high confidence. And permafrost temperatures are increasing. High confidence. cannot be avoided, and irreversibility. Ocean warming, acidification, and deoxygenation 
ice sheet and glacier mass loss, and permafrost degradation are expected. There are options for risk reduction through adaptation. Degradation are expected to be irreversible on timescales relevant to human societies and ecosystems. The reduction of vulnerability, exposure, and hazard potential can be achieved through different policy and action choices over time until limits to adaptation might be reached. ocean-based local mitigation and adaptation measures have limited effectiveness to mitigate climate change and reduce its consequences at the global scale, but are useful to implement because they address local risks, often have co-benefits such as biodiversity conservation, and have few adverse side effects. Effective mitigation at a global scale will reduce the need and cost of adaptation and reduce the risks of surpassing limits to adaptation.
national and transboundary cooperation and greater empowerment of local communities in the governance of the ocean, coasts, and cryosphere in a changing climate. Century. It is virtually certain that surface ocean pH will decline. These pH changes are very likely to cause the Arctic and Southern Oceans, as well as the North Pacific and Northwestern Atlantic Oceans, to become corrosive for the major mineral forms of calcium carbonate under scenario RCP 8.5. These changes are virtually certain to be avoided under scenario RCP 2.6. There is increasing evidence of an increase in the seasonal exposure to acidified conditions in the future, with a very likely increase in the amplitude of the seasonal cycle of hydrogen iron concentration. Indigenous knowledge and local knowledge provide context-specific and socio-culturally relevant understandings for effective responses and policies. The fundamental roles of the ocean and cryosphere in the Earth system include the uptake and redistribution of anthropogenic carbon dioxide by the ocean, as well as their crucial involvement in the hydrological cycle.
coastal wetland includes salt marshes, mangroves, and seagrasses. Kelp forests are habitats of a specific group of macroalgae. Rocky shores are coastal habitats dominated by immobile calcified organisms such as mussels and barnacles. Deep sea is seafloor ecosystems that are 8,000 to 6,000 meters deep. Socio-institutional adaptation responses, including community-based adaptation, capacity building, participatory processes, institutional support for adaptation planning, and support for mechanisms for communities are important tools to address climate change impacts. Coastal ecosystems, including salt marshes, mangroves, vegetable dunes, and sandy beaches, can build vertically and expand laterally response to sea level rise protection and habitat for diverse biota. Existing ocean governance structures are already facing multi-dimensional scale-related challenges because of climate change. This trend of increasing complexity will continue. You've been listening to The Place of Sound on CKCU 93.1 FM. I'm Helena Krobath. Thank you for joining me today.